Welcome to Fired Up Friday. I'm Gerard Papa, Lean Six Sigma Master Black Belt and Principal Consultant at Dynamic Resolutions Group, DRG. Have you heard the old saying, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing right the first time? Well, I not only believe this, but I live it every day. My goal was to help the business world embrace it. I have process improvement and strategic planning expertise, and I seek opportunities to tackle challenges with a focus on innovation, efficiency, and quality. I have over 25 years of customer service experience in the hospitality, retail, IT, and healthcare industries. Adrian. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for joining. Wonderful. It's a beautiful day. Yes. So I will be discussing topics. I should say we will be discussing topics that fire us up. And today's topic is emotional intelligence. And so I am pleased to have a good friend of mine, Adrian Williams, joining me today. If you would like to uh, give a little bio, a little background, a little information, that'd be great. Love it. Yeah, I'm into it. All right. So why don't you tell us tell everyone about yourself? You Can think? you hear me okay? Yeah. Go ahead. Excellent. Oh, so am I introducing myself? Yes, please. Yes. Um, Adrian Williams, I am a sickle cell patient. And as a result of a very arduous wellness journey, I've been well for over the past 10 years. And I've taken that sort of journey up to patients and providers and become sort of a wellness advocate to speak on behalf of other patients who have not just sickle cell disease, but other diseases, just to ensure that they get improved, improved emergency care and other care in the healthcare systems. And what I mostly focus on when I'm speaking to provider groups and patient groups is sort of the gap between knowing what will improve our health and the barriers that prevent us from doing that. And I call that sort of space in between those two sort of intelligence and just how we navigate you know, our emotions to get to places we want to go. You know, I hear a lot of people speak about success and success and making money and making money and being famous and being powerful and, you know, but I rarely hear people talk about um, sort of an, an intentional journey to sort of serve others while in pursuit of those wild desires like success and lots and lots of money and power. So I really try to focus on those sort of initial barriers that keep us from, from uh, achieving those goals. And, and I really try to dissect what's behind sort of those sort of desires that people think they have. And I did a lot of that uh, with myself, just sitting down with myself and said, you know, you, you know, American sort of culture teaches us to want, want, want. <laughs> right, exactly. Very true. And I, try, and I try to get behind those wants and dissect them and go, what do we really want as, as, peop as individuals? And usually it's not about money, power, and control, and all that gl the glitters that, 
is gold, but it's about other emotional things that we're not really ready or built or educated or intelligent, emotionally intelligent enough to deal with. Yeah. And I think so, a couple of things that I think we're going to focus on today, because I think you brought up a, in your introduction, uh, a couple of really key points, one of which is personal development, right? So through impact, you can still pursue all those things. But while you're doing them, your personal development and then, and then the impact that you make on others, which I think is important. And yeah. Um, I, go ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and just sort of really investigating why you want the things you think you want. You right. know what I mean? And I, yeah. I think that's such an interesting and a meaningful pursuit is really setting with yourself and go, you know, Am I indoctrinated to want X, Y, and Z? Do I really want X, Y, and Z? Or is this camouflage for something else I really want and can't reach or can't attain? Yeah, a great point. And the, the question that, that I think you and I talked about last week is, it, you know, why? Like, why are you pursuing those things? Like, why yes. do you think? And I think a lot of times we don't think through those because to some extent, it's something that we're taught through television, through media at a very right. young age. Right. right. This is what you're supposed to be doing. This is what you're supposed to be. If you don't do these things, you're not considered successful. Exactly. And I think that's uh, that's kind of ingrained in us. And I think that's causes a lot of those problems. What I'd like to do is just kind of do a quick definition um, and tell me, you know, kind of if you think of this, if you agree with this. But uh, emotional intelligence is really the ability to monitor one's own and other people's emotions to discriminate between different emotions and label them appropriately appropriately and to use emotional information to guide thinking and behavior that's that's pretty spot on yeah it's pretty spot on um and and it's that stuff that helps you sort of modulate disappointment modulate sort of your reality modulate um success and failure because, you know, I think you know, there's a lot of things to be learned in failure, maybe even more than success, you know, but are we willing to sort of really dissect and learn from each of those things? And, and, and I often say to people that sometimes these two masquerade as one as each other. Yeah. Sometimes what we think is our greatest successes right. <laughs> are our greatest failures. And sometimes we think our greatest failures in the long run become our greatest successes and learning, learning opportunities. Well, and I, and I, and I agree. And again, touching on a couple of things, I mean, um, Daniel Goleman, who's an American psychologist who helped popularize emotional intelligence. He said, there's five key elements to it. And I think some of these things you've already touched on, but I'm going to give specific uh, terms, self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, and one that I think is really difficult is empathy, right? And social skills. So I think yes. if you talk about in the construct of what we're talking about today, plus what the interaction is with society, I think in my experience, the two things that I've seen people struggle the most with is self-awareness and empathy. But that's my, from my personal experience. Yeah, but those two things are very, very key in how you sort of navigate the world around you, you know. Um, and, and yeah, and, and let's start with empathy. You know, empathy is, you know, is often portrayed as sort of, sort of platitude, sort of a, sort of a, sort of a, an, an, an act. And a lot of us sort of default into the pretense of empathy because we think it's, 
makes us a good person and at least we appear to be good people. But deep down inside, we have such an innate selfishness, we can't really authentically tap into that. You know, so a lot of us really, 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 really pretend to do that. Right. <laughs> it's so true, right? I mean, that's where you get this that's where you get this projection of I'm a good person, but yes. really, you're not, right? So everyone's yes. like, oh, that's such a good person. And then you're like, no, they're really not. Right. Or or I like to sort of really focus, you know, introspectively about my own goodness and badness. You know, and I and I really want to because I think it all starts with you. I mean, I think it's easy for us to sort of project outwardly and judge others according to their actions, behaviors. But I think it's the, the most difficult step is for us to sort of remain inward and go, am I behaving authentically in this moment? Or I'm looking over my shoulder to make sure other people don't think I'm a bad person. You know, what am I, what am I believing and thinking when no one's watching? Me yeah, that's, that's key, right? Yeah. They always yeah. say it's like that's that's how you define what a what a good act is is the doing something right when no one's looking no one's witnessing it right yeah. you know and how do you sustain that sort of empathy and then not sort of drown in it too because you, that's another emotion you have to sort of empathize with you have to sort of modulate yeah and because empathy can really be overwhelming when you look around the world and you see so much despair and you see so much pain. Yeah, it's depressing. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it can be it really can be, depressing. Right? It can be really overwhelming. So how do you modulate that? And how do you stay in that space? You know, there's always doing a self-analysis. I mean, that's what I've learned in the past 10 some odd years in this wellness journey is this consistent self-analysis. It's why am I doing, why am I doing? Why am I acting mean right now? Why am I angry right now? And what is that about? What am I, anger is usually connected to fear. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and then what's behind that? You know, and I'm always trying to stay with me first before I go outward to the world. Why am I doing this? And I think that approach, I think that approach is, is a really good one there. Again, touching on a couple of points that you brought up is first of all, looking inward, right? Number one. Right. And number right. two, knowing that it's, it's constant. Right. That right. it's not like something you do and then you're done. No. Right. It's it's, it's continually it's continually reevaluating. Yes. That uh, internal mechanism for which you would base your, dis, your you know, your decisions on your actions, your behaviors. Right. And I think you, you 10 years. Right. So it's a journey, this wellness journey. I think uh, why don't you speak a little bit on how. How did you discover like this understanding of emotional intelligence and then how how have you used it to kind of look at yourself and then manage your health? And then how have you used that to kind of speak about it? If you want to touch on that for a little bit. Oh, sure. Sure. I um, this is interesting because I was speaking at the AMA conference about two weeks ago and someone asked me, how do you explain sort of the fact that you've been able to sustain this wellness? Tell everyone you know, what AMA is. AMA is the American Medical Association, okay. so it's probably the biggest, uh, most powerful conglomerate of, of physicians in in the in the country. And I was invited to speak about um, about wellness and about uh, an advocate. They usually do an advocacy day in Washington D.C. once a year. So I was invited to speak for patients in advocating on their behalfs. And so afterwards, we had a sort of roundtable discussion, and one of the physicians in the audience asked me, "How do you explain?" This, this, your ability to sustain such wellness over these past years. 
And my answer was, you know, I really sat with myself and I really wanted to cultivate a better relationship with myself, a better, more honest relationship with myself. It all started there. You know, because I think some people cultivate such weird, abstract relationships with themselves and it's so dysfunctional just within our own minds and our own bodies. Yeah, to survive. Right? Just, to, just to survive, just because to survive, it's a survival right? mechanism. I mean, a lot yeah. of things we do, we just can't really stomach. So we legitimize them, we overlook them, That's we ignore them, we, them. We, ex, we excuse them, right. you know. And I really wanted to sit with myself. And, I, and this wasn't a journey towards perfection. This was just a journey towards understanding. You know, why was I doing certain things I was doing, knowing they were contrary, they were actions contrary to my better health? And so I really just sort of sat down with myself and looked at myself in the mirror and didn't like a lot of what I saw. You know, so I said, how do we create a better dialogue, a better, be better behaviors? And what does that include? You know, and the easy stuff is eating better, sleeping better, you know, removing toxic emotions and toxic people from your life. That's the easy stuff. The harder stuff is, you know, conducting a, a critical self-analysis of yourself almost per action. Why did I just do what I just did? Why would why did I respond angrily what I, what I just did? Why did I cut off emotionally? Because a lot of what we do too is we just sort of remove ourselves emotionally from something and we'll just kind of, I call it cooling out. So we're not responding with anger or visceral whatever, but we'll just sort of remove ourselves emotionally from a situation and just exist there sort of physically. Yeah, but, yeah, kind of like in the know, background. Yeah, and I, that, that's my go-to. Oh, <laughs> that was my- That's your- that was, favorite though. that's that's my favorite go-to places where i can just i can still be here i can still see, be seething in anger but i'm going to be so cool and removed from it no one knows that i'm going to protect and that's that's a crap too it's all crap that's crap so i started dissecting why i do things that i was doing and go stop please try to stop doing this stuff and start looking at yourself honestly so because did, you want them. And let me interject real quick. So from an mm -hmm. exercise standpoint, did you write these things down? Did you sit like in a room and reflect? I mean, how did you go about this process? Well, it actually started with me reading a book, a really, really simple book about Buddhism. It's called Buddhism Made Simple by an author named Stephen Hagen. And I read this book and it, this book is really like 120 pages, maybe 200 pages. It's, it's and it's really about being present, being present in every moment of your life and acknowledging, sort of tapping into your emotions throughout the day as they modulate up and down and hot and cold and on and off and blah, blah, blah. And just being present in that exercise. And that for me, just like opened like this whole path towards self-awareness and self-analysis. That was it for me. Okay. That was it. You know, and it's, there's a, one chapter in the book talked about washing the dishes. It's, as mean as that sounds, it talks about washing the dishes. And most of us just kind of run through that task without thinking. But in the book, it says, you know, smell the foamy water, feel the suds in your hand, hear the squeaking of the dishes, the smell, the sponge and the water and the feel of the, and get present in that moment. And I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever read in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really just teaching you how to remove yourself from your next task or yesterday's task or tomorrow's task and staying in this moment. Right. You know, and once you sort of get closer to sort of getting better at that exercise, then you can start staying in those emotional moments as well. Don't you, you know, think that a lot of us are on like autopilot in a lot Oh, absolutely. Of Absolutely. Like, you know, like everyone I know does this, 
you get in a car, you start the car, you drive the car, and all of a sudden you're there and you have no idea how you got there because your brain was exactly. on the grocery list and your brain was on the exactly. Christmas list and your brain was on the argument you have with your wife and just the, the relationship you have with your brother and your siblings and you boom, you all of a sudden you're there and you go, what? Yeah, I think, and I think a lot of people, that's why I think people that I know that, that like to drive, I think that's one of the reasons why they like to drive. Yes, it's escapism. Yeah, and it, it's, it is, you know, it's like therapeutic from that perspective where you you do, you don't even realize, because if you would ask them, how did you get here? Like, what pathway did you take? A lot of people- I don't know. I don't know. Exactly, <laughs> because they're, they're not living in, and I, and I, I'm not a, I'll be honest, I'm not a very good person that lives in the moment. Uh, yeah, I it's an exercise. It's an exercise. It's an exercise. But we always have to ask ourselves, and I ask myself this difficult, you know, when we're escaping, what are we escaping from? And is, will there be some value in resolving this thing we're running from? And that was a question that I kept going over and over and over. This thing you're running from, is it a worthwhile endeavor to investigate it, to figure it out? Even though there may not be any sort of solvent resolution to that, but is it a worthwhile endeavor to figure out what are you fleeing from? Are you, and most of us are fleeing from feelings of loneliness, feelings of being abandoned, feelings from not being understood, feelings of not feeling worth, worthy. So it all comes down to those emotions that we don't want to even think about. Yeah, or acknowledge, right? I mean, I think... Or, or even acknowledge, right. And I, I think there's so much truth to what you just said. You know, there's always something deeper driving those actions. And it's akin to, and I always talk about addiction in the same way. You know, I read a book, I read a wonderful book about addiction. And I wish I could remember the name of it, the author of it. But it, it was saying that addictions are basically the second option to everything in our lives. So you really want to pick up the phone and hang out with your friend Gerald because he's super interesting and, and an amazing conversationalist. And you really want to talk about bicycles, I mean, motorcycles and do things with him because that's makes you feel whole and present. But when you pick up the phone and call Gerald and he's busy or he doesn't answer and he goes to the voicemail, then we default to something else that fills that space, something that's not authentic. So that could be either gambling, porn, food, smoking, Hell. vaping, yeah. anger, whatever our go-to is. Addiction is the second thing. That's the second thing. That's the substitute thing. Yeah, what we really, builds, what we really wanted void, right? It right. Void. What I really wanted to do is spend an hour with a really interesting guy named Gerald, or my friend named Jamie, or my my beautiful wife. But when that wasn't possible, or when that thing isn't fulfilling to our needs, we go to the second thing, and that's where the danger lies. Yeah, and I and I I agree. I think um, if you look at that. Um, all of us have some sort of addiction, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Th this is this is the other thing about how drugs are uh, drugs aren't really the problem, right? No. It, it, it's our addiction because when you have people taking prescription medication to fill it, or if they're sniffing glue, you know, we, as humans, we always find ways of filling that void. Yes, or you're or you're cutting yourself, or whatever your addiction right. is. And I, I mean. It's it's really you're placating an authentic authentic desire with something synthetic. You're substituting. I have an authentic desire to be loved, to be to be understood, 
And when I can't get there, I'm going to get a beer <laughs> or sniff some glue or cut right. myself yeah. or whatever that thing is. Or eat well, or I, eat or eat. I think we all want to feel good, right? I think, yeah. I think we want to feel good. And I think part of, part of that is either, you know, ignoring those things that you just said, right? Ignoring them or not acknowledging them and then filling them with something else. Right. Um, and because what you're talking about this journey that you've gone through is not an easy thing to do. It's painful. It's, it's painful to admit that there are things that you could have done differently. That's, that's not an easy thing to do. That's why a lot of people don't do it. It, It's a really difficult thing. Here's the, here's the worst part of it. Even as you embark on this journey, you will continually find things that you are so disappointed about yourself and you will continue to make mistakes along that journey, you know, that you have to sort of reconcile and go, wow, what did I really just do that? What, what about me really just made this horribly, this horrible decision that can impact my life and other people's life. And you, you will continue to disappoint yourself and, and make mistakes along the way as you're trying to resolve this thing. But the trick is when I make that horrible mistake, when it hurts myself and hurts others, do I, did I learn something in that moment about myself? You know, did I learn something? But, and, and can I acknowledge that thing? You know, we talked about being, ple- about pleasure. You know, we're wired to ple- for pleasure because that's connected to how we think we need to survive. Yep. You know, but the real thing is, you know, sometimes we get lost in the pleasure and then it's, it's sort of contrary, it acts contrary to our survival. Or like we or, love, right? Or it becomes our undoing, right? Undoing. It becomes our undoing because you get lost in yeah. that thing. Yeah. And the real thing is, you know, pleasure is, and I say this to people all the time: pleasure is driving to work, driving to the beach, driving somewhere, and your favorite song comes on the radio, and that three-minute song makes you feel such joy. But that's kind of it with happiness and pleasure. It's not a sustained kind of thing like we've been taught to believe it's this long sustained yes i finally have the job this i have is the wife a- i have the kids i've arrived i've arrived at happyville <laughs> well here's here's one here i want to touch on this for a few minutes because this is i think this is a really really important thing because first of all we're taught that you you have to be happy all the time right? yes yes so to that point that's not accurate so it's okay not to be happy all the time number yes. one Number two, then it's okay to acknowledge that, right? To yes. Say, here's why I'm unhappy. We get back to this acknowledging your emotions. Right. Because as you know, if you suppress those things, that leads to either d- d- disastrous results. Alone. Right. Right. So uh, some, someone or some people, the majority of those people that are surrounded by that person can be negatively affected by that. Right. Well, the, the, the thing for me is, and this is like really important. We create this myth that you should be happy all the time. Yes. Yes. And that's, yeah. that's, first of all, that's not even realistic. No, it's not. And, and we, we tell ourselves if we go to college, if we find the right partner, we have, have the right amount right. of children, right. we have the right amount of salary, yes. we find the right house. Yes. And, the, and then we arrive at Happyville. Yes. <laughs> again, achieving things that bring on a certain emotion. So right. I will be happy when I get married. Yes. I will be happy when I have kids. I yes. will be happy when I buy a house. 
And then you get all those things and you're like, wait a minute, what's the deal here? I mean, <laughs> old bill of goods, you know, where, wh- wait, wait a minute, where's this contract that I signed? It says, and this is part of why I think where, where we need to push back on society and say, you need to find without, without eliminating other, other people's liberties, but you need to find what makes you happy. Right. Because if you don't do that, those other things will not fill that void. It is not a question of if you do these five things. And then society needs to step back and go, you don't need necessarily to be married. Okay. To right. be successful or happy. Right. Not everyone should get married. Not everyone has to get married. And not everyone right. wants to get married. Wants to get married. Let's not put this stigma on it. Right. The same thing with kids. Not everyone has to have kids. Right. And. And I think that's one of the things that society needs to start taking responsibility for as a whole and say, we need to stop putting those things in boxes because that's why we're driving to that. If I could just get this, if I could just get that. Well, you have to remember, we as a culture have been indoctrinated since we can remember. You know, we were given trucks as boys when we were earlier than two years old and, and women were giving dolls and pink and this and keep, blues and that. up with our Kardashians. Yeah, and so we've been, all these images have been projected on us for, for, since we, before we even had sort of a consciousness about what was going on, we've just been projected on all this stuff, you know, about college, about high school, about graduating, about cars, about cars and houses and careers and, and all this stuff, you know, and then, because a lot of that, is, a lot of this is just tied to media and media is tied to marketing. So, you know, to be indoctrinated, to be an American, you have to have the stuff and then you get welcome to the party. And now you're married. Oh, you're... So, but really. You now join the club. You join the club. But really what you're being really done, what you're really being programmed to do is being indoctrinated to a tremendous amount of debt and responsibility that a lot of us aren't wired to, to navigate very well. You know, so you get the car, the house, the wife, the kids, the whatever, the whatever, whatever. Car. And then you're like, where's the Happyville? Yeah, you know, as opposed, and but now I'm, you know, I'm a million and a half in debt because my house cost this, my college cost this, my kids cost this, my clothes cost this, and now I'm, I'm no, I'm further from Happyville. Yeah, and by the way, <laughs> that's a big problem right now, right? Yeah. And if you look at how many people in this country are going through that issue because they're in debt and they're not going to get, they're not going to get out of debt their life right. because it right. was a, it's built in for that to happen so people so people can make money off of that right. and, a lot of that indoctrination is just about companies making money period yes it yeah. is absolutely true and it's sold it's sold it's marketed right and early at an early age and, and i think that's that's one of the things that troubles me because we sell this and people buy it and they think oh wow gee i got this now and i'm like well okay and it's like well i'm still not happy it's like well that's because it has nothing to do with happiness it, it, it was never designed to make you happy it was it I, wasn't designed yeah i wish we were as as an educational system of uh, you know national education so we would teach children about wellness and about authentic joy and about fu- discovering who they are and traveling their own path and the ha- and the, the hazards of following someone else's path. Yeah. See, here's the thing that we here's the thing we don't teach to to expand on that thought. We don't teach and don't celebrate. I'm going to say teach and celebrate um, individual individualism, no. creativity, and critical thought. No. No. And because we don't teach that, 
that just opens the world up and society up here for those things to succeed. And we especially think about school, like you conformity, you know, Rush, who I always acknowledge at the end of this, at the end of this podcast, great line, conform or be cast out. <laughs> and, you know, for, from the song Subdivisions. And right, that's, right. that's what that's about. Like in the high school halls, you know, you have to be a certain way. You have yeah. to dress a certain way. You have to act a certain way. We don't we don't celebrate individualism and creativity and critical and critical thought. Yeah. We, and we just we don't we seem to we seem to want to put everyone in sort of categories and subcategories. Yes. Buckets. I call them buckets. But in little boxes and buckets. We want to put everyone in a bucket or a box or category. Yep. And, you know, and, and, and with that, you know, and then I think a lot also with traditional education is we're really just removing intelligence and replacing it with something else yes absolutely we're not true. we're not we're not really cultivating intelligence we just sort of i think we're actually removing it from some people and replacing it with sort of an, an indoctrination it's here's your absolutely, here's absolutely your true. here's your career path to imprisonment and in debt yeah it's so so true. i'm gonna i'm gonna remove all this innate stuff you had about happiness and creativity and dance and light and laughter and i'm going to substitute that that doesn't pay anything. Yeah, and but, th they'll say the same in the same breath. Don't worry, we'll take care of the rest. You just do this. Right. We'll fill in. We'll think for you. We'll make decisions right. for you, and we'll tell you what's important. And then we, and then, and then so that mindset sort of seeps into relationships because, as parents, you know, we're telling our little boys and little girls, you know, marry the football player, marry the engineer, yep. marry the doctor, marry the. So we. And we keep continually this cycle of things you should do, things you need to do, things you need to do. And then we're teaching our children how to value people with what they have and what they may have in the future. And, and you know, and I think if you look at <laughs> if you look at an emotionally intelligent person, I think that person and I think we're striving to, to be the you know, you're, you're striving based on our conversations and based on today's podcast is you're striving to be the best Adrian Williams you can be. You're not striving to be someone else. No. Right? You're striving to be the best Adrian you can be. And I think that's what people need to be striving for. They need to be the best person they can be, whatever that person is. And I think being emotionally intelligent and being highly conscious right. of your emotional states Right. And then being self-aware and acknowledging that, I think, will help drive that and push back because we become sheep. You know, you've heard this sheep or drones. <laughs> and yeah, we just go, well, this is what they told me. Um, and I believe that person. Therefore, I'm not going to question it and just continue. And I. Yeah. And it's you, go ahead. It's a weird sort of career path because. You know, on, on, on this journey, and I, and I suggest everyone sort of take this journey to the sort of introspective journey and finding out who they really are and what they really are made of and what they really want out of their lives. Um, and it's a weird sort of thing to conduct at sort of 30, at 40, at 50 or whatever age you are. Because it's harder. It's, it's harder. Because you've laid so much foundation of your life already sort of dried and cemented and foundationed and built upon yep. all that stuff. You're ripping, you're basically ripping up drywall, right? Yes. Foundation. 
So it's a it's a really sort of sort of really risky endeavor, but I think people in the long run will be happy that they that they've done so, that they that they've done it or tried to do it, um, because you you discover so many things about yourself and you discover how to. I think the greatest thing I've discovered is to just take a, a moment when I'm re- emotionally responding to something and ask myself, why are you responding this way? What's made you so angry? You know, what's, what about this new influx of cash has made you so happy? What's that about? And just question all sort of these sort of, sort of reactionary emotions we have and not just sort of go with it. Like, this is good and this is bad. You right. know, and so well, why is this bad? You know, you know, it's like I like I said earlier in the conversation, some of the worst things that have ever happened to me or with time have been the best things that ever happened to me because they taught me something. Well, you know? and, and also you could argue on some things because I I've experienced that somewhat. It takes you on a path that you know where you were going to get like right. that path wasn't necessarily clear until maybe a couple of years later. Right. Right. So you went through this and then you realize, oh, okay, oh, it's bad. That makes sense now. Makes sense now. <laughs> right? now back. And I'm and I'm not saying that you should have to go through that all the time. Like I'm not an advocate of and you know, no pain, no gain. I don't no, necessarily no. believe that. <laughs> no. But you need to evaluate it as uh, a learning experience, although it's painful because there's nothing else you can do about it. You can't change no. it, right? And so, and you shouldn't dwell on it. I mean, part of my challenge is that I dwell on stuff. I don't let stuff go very easily. Right. Right. And for me, that's, that's a challenge. Yeah. I, I, I want, you know, I want some sort of justice as a result of that. Right. Of something. And that's a challenge. And that's, that's a challenge. challenge Cause it's not, it's, it's not healthy. That's not a healthy behavior. But I, th- I think our greatest challenge lies in that disappointment. And, that, or in our, and to open another chapter in this conversation, another greatest challenge is how we, how we view the people that we vehemently disagree with. How do we look at people who are, are comp- diametrically opposed to our, our belief systems, our, our view of justice, our view of right and wrong. How do we respond to that stimuli? How do we respond to those people? How do we really view them? This, because I think in, in that is your real, our real test. I, I agree because I think that is where we're going to learn the most about ourselves. Yes. yes. Right. And I think when we talked last week, I think your approach is a little bit, uh, not a little bit, your, your approach is, probably more productive, constructive <laughs> than my approach. Um, yeah, because I really, I really think we need to move into that space where if we're going to be empathetic, we have to be empathetic to people who, who are diametrically opposite of who we are. Because that's and the how, hardest, that's the challenge. Because that's, your, that's the holy grail that right there. It. Yes, absolutely. It's easy. It's, easy. it's easy to love people who you share the same opinions with. Yep. That's, that's yep. a no-brainer. It's easy to love your family members and your neighbors who you all have this sort of conservative or progressive or whatever your mindset is. That's easy. That's easy, easy, easy. The challenge for all of us is to look someone directly in the eye and find the humanity in that person who is completely opposite of us. Yes, I, that's our challenge. I, I think, and I think that's part of what we've lost 
unless the person's you know like a psychotic and you have <laughs> well yeah that's a different right. that's a different just, but 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 i mean we we our next exercise in the next 20 years of our country should really be about how we're doing that how are we looking at people who don't like us how are we processing those emotions and see i i i believe fundamentally that most people want the same thing Right. Yes. They want the same thing. I mean, if even if you go to other countries, like China, for example, you don't think Chinese parents care about their kids? Yes. They and care we'll do, about their yeah. kids. Right. Yes. Yes. The government regime has nothing to do with the, those values that the, those people hold. They're just no. under that Chinese regime. They, they care about their kids. They want their kids to be happy and healthy. Right. So I think that's. You know, that's kind of where you start. It's like fundamentally, I think everyone wants the same thing. Now, we might disagree on the approaches to get there, right? Right. Or, you know, the solutions for which we utilize. But I think where where we struggle is, first of all, looking in inward, right? I think you're more willing to do this based on our conversation. Right. And I right. think you're, you're doing it. Um, I like to think that I'm doing it. I, I'm fascinated by this topic. I'm fascinated by people and, and their behaviors and their choices. Right. Um, I think I struggle with how do we get to the point where, where you're discussing is, you know, how do we break that barrier down and say, right. you know, what do we share that's in, that's in common, right? Right. First. Right. And then how do we, and how do we get there? Because I think a lot of us, I think, and in the United States, especially, I think we're getting manipulated because I think a lot of what the power elite are doing is taking advantage. Absolutely. Of, right. And Absolutely. Know that. But we but we we as individuals must start to look at every encounter with anyone as an opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Even with even the people we agree with. Yeah. We have there's an there's an opportunity there to shine some some light and some empathy on something they so vehemently hate and disagree with. There's an opportunity that you and I spoke a couple a couple of days ago about. There's an opportunity in all these encounters. So even when you meet someone who you politically and emotionally and spiritually agree with, but they're having an issue with their anger about the way the country is moving. There's an opportunity in that how you approach that conversation and how you sort of maybe can disable some of that anger and help them understand some of that anger and process some of that anger. So because you and then you have to ask yourself, you know, what is anger? What is my anger about? Because this is a new thing for me. I have to tell you because my initial my initial emotional response to people who didn't agree with me, you know, I thought they were bad people. And I and intellectually, I thought they should they deserve to be embarrassed. So as an intellect, I'm going to embarrass you to such a level you're never going to bring to me your crazy politics. But that doesn't really work. It just doesn't work, you know. So now I'm trying to figure out a way to bring another a certain amount of empathy to someone who doesn't agree with me, a certain amount of humor, and maybe build a bridge to, to someone who doesn't agree with me, and maybe leaving that situation better than I did a few years ago. Yeah, and I think uh, what I when we were talking, because th that's really well said, I think when we were talking, what I tried to focus on, because I think it's also these small wins, right? Small wins yes. build, right? build big, big wins.
Yes. Um, I try, what I've been trying to do the last year or so is focus on individual interactions and right. making an impact on those inter those, those interactions. So right. leaving it, leaving it positive or adding some value. Yes. Whatever that may be, some value yes. to that interaction. Because yes. as a consultant, as you know, making process improvement recommendations, mm-hmm. I also want to make an impact on the people that are really going to be responsible for implementing right. those changes, right? Because right. I can I can make recommendations, but they still have to buy into them and they still have right. to carry out those right. recommendations. Although a lot of times I'm there to help implement and things like that, but it's still right. ultimately they own, right? This right. transformation that has to take place. Right. So I try and focus on if I can on in a day make as many impactful interactions as possible, right. then I feel like I've made a difference. And yeah, and we and we also have to really understand the fact that someone's belief systems, it's like a child in their teddy bear. It's like a child in their blanket. And it's like that for us too. It's like that for us too, the so-called progressives and liberals and whatever. It's like that for us too. That's our safe space. That's our blanket. That's our teddy bear. That's our, we clutched onto that so viscerally. You know, and when you're progressive, you know, it's love for all, it's love for gays and LBGTQ communities, it's, 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 it's feeling empathy for people who live in poverty, it's all that. Right. And we, we hold on to that so dearly. It's like our teddy bear because we think it's so right. It's a part of us. It's the right thing. But we have to acknowledge the fact that the person who thinks diametrically opposed to that, their belief system is equally as cherished to them too. Yeah. So when we're trying to snatch their teddy bear, what? How, what? <laughs> so we, 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 and that's, I think that's where we're lost here in 2020 is the fact that we think their belief system is somehow less valued than our belief system. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I agree because that's, that's how it comes across, right? It gets elevated to, to extremes real yes. quickly because um, of that of that idea, right? Yeah. That's when people come to blows. That's where you get the absolutely comments on social media, right? And, and that's where you get these, uh, you know, these outbursts. Uh, and if, and if I'm and violently, you know, violent outbursts and stuff like that too. And you're, you're a parent, you know, uh, when you take, when you're trying to take the teddy bear from your child, what does the child do? Hold on tighter to the teddy bear. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> So as adults, we have to realize that. And so, no, I'm not trying to take your teddy bear. What I'm really trying to do is connect with you as a person. Yeah, and I think, and I think it's it's even more difficult because of where where we've gotten ourselves to. It's such yeah. it's so heightened. You know, you're we're we're super sensitive now. Yes, right? like you say hello, and you're like, why did you say hello? Why didn't you say hi? And it's it's uh, and. All right. All right. Adrian, sorry for that brief intermission. So we'll, we'll stick a commercial in there. <laughs> yeah, I'll stick a commercial in there. Uh, you know, so I think we we good, you know, conversation. And I think a lot of what you and I have been talking about and not only kind of from an individual and a personal development level, but how that applies to society and a lot of the things that we were talking about uh when we had our intermission before we had our intermission was was how we can utilize this 
to kind of break down those barriers that you and I were discussing, right? Between Absolutely. What beliefs are and what that other person's beliefs are. Like what is the differences and how can we understand and, and be more empathetic uh, towards it? I think uh, for thousands of years, the power elite have always utilized those tactics to manipulate people because they know that if they're fighting amongst themselves, right. they're not going to come after me. Right. 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 And so it's, it's worked. It continually works. People utilize it because it works. Right. And I think what we need to do is step back and say, no, I'm not going to be manipulated by that. Right. I'm not going to allow that to happen. I mean, think about this. Uh, the Russian interference, there was Russian bots right. purposely trying to create that environment by creating Twitter handles, right? And creating Absolutely. posts um, on Facebook and Twitter. And the reason why they did that is because they knew, oh, I'm going to say this, and then this person's going to say this, and that's right. going to build this right. drama. I'm going to make bigger and bigger. Well, I think that, I think that what they did is is they looked at our culture and, and, and figured out how do we exacerbate existing yep. divisions? Leverage and manipulate. How do we leverage, leverage and manipulate and exacerbate existing conflicts, uh, even among cultures? So they'll get in and, and talk to Latinos about other Latinos, and this Latino is a Latino like you are, and this Latino is more white, and this Latino is more conservative, and they're not really down like you are. So, I mean, they realized that they can interject themselves into our weaknesses. But what we, what we have to realize is that now we're, we're only in a war if we want to be in a war. Yes. Per, well, very well said. Perfect. We're only at, at odds with each other if we want to be at odds with each other. If, and I, if and we I, choose to be. Right? If we if, choose to be. Yeah. And what I've been trying to do since this election is figure out, okay, how much is my anger effective here and people who don't agree with me you know and and do i just keep turning up the levels of anger when i encounter more and more people who disagree with me and what does that get me you know i, I think it's sort of a, few, a fruitless endeavor to do that you know and then i start thinking okay what if i responded to people who disagree with me in a different way what's the result of that you know how does that work out emotionally for me and for them because there's also an emotional fallout for everyone involved with that yeah, conflict. Absolutely. Yeah, and, absolutely. And what we don't realize is, quote-unquote, progressives or whatever the hell that means anymore, is that the, the reckoning is shared. <laughs> We're yeah. all sharing in this reckoning. A absolutely. You know? yeah, so absolutely. at some point, do you want to continue to degradate your spirit and your soul? Or do you want to preserve yours and maybe offer some to someone offer some of that to someone else yeah. so if you had to like wrap this up and tie it together some other things that you wanted to touch on how would you do that like as we kind of well i would i would i would i would really encourage people to sort of travel that this journey that we discussed about sort of this journey of introspection and this journey of wellness and it's journey of emotion of, of developing emotional intelligence and then once you travel that journey once you've cultivated enough courage to travel that journey then i would suggest that people started traveling that last chapter of that journey is it how we navigate a world when 
around people that disagree with us? And what are we going to do with that energy? And how are we, how are we going to make the most of every encounter that we have with people that agree with us and with people who don't agree with us? Because there's something to be taught to people who agree with us, too about not being as angry, not being as visceral, not being as aggressive, not being as closed off. So every time we have these encounters, how we, are, we should ask ourselves, how, how do we want to leave these people that we encounter? Do we want to leave them better off? Or we want to leave them more salty and more angry, more angry and more disconnected from us? So I think that's our, our challenge. And I think that's the last step in, in the wellness journey is what do you do with these encounters as you navigate the world? How are you leaving these people behind? What are you leaving them with? Are you leaving them with joy and, and optimism? Are you leaving positive. With positive thoughts and positive emotions? Are you leaving with the salty, bitter feelings that just may linger and, and cause their ruination? And your ruination too, and ours, yeah. our ruination. And I think... I think from my perspective, you know, always kind of from a process improvement perspective, making organizations better, I always look at it as what value add is what you're doing value add. Yes. And some people think it is. And sometimes it started off that way, but things have changed. You know, part of what we've also talked about is that things are constantly changing. So something that worked 10 years ago might not work now. Exactly. So that's why it's, that's why it's constant. And I think there's, there's a lot of uh, focus that has to be on that. And then also, are you making the situation better, right? Yes. Positive value. What value added are you bringing? Yes. And I think breaking that down helps because so much of what we do is things that we either think we need to do or things that we were told to do as right. we, as we kind of touch back on the things that we were talking at the beginning. And then we go on autopilot, right? Right. right. Go back right. on autopilot say, here's the five things I do every day. I've been doing these five things for 20 years and I'm going to continue, continue to do them. They're comfortable for me. They work, they work, they're working for me now. I'm going to keep doing them. Exactly. You know? But I think the workplace you break up is a very important place because this is the place where we're around people not of our choosing. Yes, it, <laughs> so, it's very true. It's like if I get to choose, um, I don't think I would choose you. You would. You're right. But this is the place that presents the greatest amount of opportunities, and in the places where we're forced to be with people we didn't choose to be around. That comes in the greatest amount of opportunity right there. You know, yeah, and how you're so. treating people who don't agree with us, who don't like process change. You know, and how do we present change in a way that's more palatable for them as opposed to taking their teddy bears away? <laughs> right. And this also gets into like, right, exactly. Like you keep it, we'll, we, can we can work, work with, with that. But one of those elements too is social skills and self-regulation. Yes. That's where that socialization, everyone has to understand and realize that you're in a world that is, has other people. Yes. And you have to learn how to interact. I think the, the thing that always drives people crazy is you see someone in the grocery store and they're on the phone and they're really loud. Right. And it's like, by the way, you might not know this, but there's a hundred people in right. the store. <laughs> You're not the only one right. here. And so you might want to step back and go, yeah, maybe the hundred other people don't want to hear this. <laughs> but I'm not. 
And I think that gets into self-regulation right. and that gets into the social yeah. skills. No one, everyone gets phone calls, right? right? right. And, and by the way, you're not the most important person right. in the world. Like I would love to think that I'm the most important person right. in the world. Everyone would like to think that, but we're not. And that's part of like being a little self-aware. So think about how would take that or taking right. that anytime you're on the subway, right? Or the street corner or a grocery store, any social right. situation, the workplace, because you said this, you don't get to choose. So you have to understand and navigate realize that. and you're going to have to yeah. navigate. But another thing we need to be really super, super conscious of too is, is encountering the wounded. And do we want to wound the wounded more? So, you know, and I, when I, when I see, when I see people like that in the grocery store on the phone and when I see someone acting really obnoxiously and belligerently and sort of myopically in their own lost world, you know, my first thought is, God, how dare you? But my second thought is, you know, this may be someone I'm encountering who's so mortally wounded. So this is their cry for help, their cry and their desperate need for attention. Yeah, so that's what this is. This is what the journey has taught me is the fact that you know sometimes the initial emotional responses are, all, are sometimes wrong, and sometimes this person may be just really wounded. Yeah, you never know what they're. You going never know through, what right? they're going through. So when I want to go get off your phone, you idiot, you know, my second thought is, what is wrong with you that you need so much attention? What happened to you along the way that you need so much attention? And is and do you realize what you're doing isn't providing the nutrients you think it is? So right. those are my second thoughts when I encounter people like that. Is like they're wounded, they're crying for help, and most times we're just inflicting more wound upon them as opposed to being a little bit empathetic, yeah, yeah, like screaming yeah. at them or something, or just giving right. them that shady side eye look, or, <laughs> or belittling and, them, and, or something. and we're just casting them further and further and further away. Yeah. And I, and I think there's, a, I, again, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think your first reaction is the one that I right. brought up, you know, like this, do you know what you're right. doing from my side? Are you understanding you're not because you're, cause you're inconveniencing me. I don't want to hear your conversation yeah. with your dentist right. or whoever it is you're talking to. Yeah. Wait a minute. Maybe, maybe this person is yes. wounded and I'm not understanding what they're going through. Right. Or what did they go through to make them yes. like this? Not, not as Use, yes, but in order for that behavior to stop, there has to be some sort of introspection done, right? Yeah, I, I, I see. I see people all the time sort of acting out. I, I was, and I know we need to wrap this up, but I was in an H and M the other day, and there was a young couple in there, and the guy was literally losing his mind because he thought his girlfriend or girlfriend was being disrespectful, and he was like losing it. You know, and my first thought was, holy, I need to get out of here. This is crazy. You know, and my second right. thought was, is there anything I can say to this young man to reassure him and to talk him down? And I couldn't figure out one funny thing or one disabling thing. I couldn't figure it out. But when I saw this young man doing this, you know, what I thought was somewhere along the way, someone has been so rude and so dis dismissive and so disrespectful to this young man that he is now so tender about that. Yeah, super, super sensitive, sensitive right? about that. So anyone who approaches his little soft spot, he explodes. Yeah. So, you know, and we can, we can, we continue to see this as we travel the world and travel in our circle and everything like that. 
But we, we have to realize it is that these people are wounded. And I'm not saying we have to be, treat everyone with sympathy and empathetic. Some of them are just crazy. I get that. But I'll, or, or, jerk, or jerky, or I get jerk. that too. But even that comes from some yeah. sort of wounding somewhere else along the way. Oh, it, it, it definitely does. I mean, I think I think more than anything, I think everyone could agree that that, that comes from some yes. sort of deep-rooted yes. insecurity. Or yes. right? But I always go back to the Typically. high school with the kid who never fit in and then becomes a serial killer. You know, at some point somewhere along the way in that school, someone should say, hey, what's up, Jay? Let's talk, let's talk about it, man. Let's talk about it. Yeah. You need a friend, I'll be here for you. Let's talk about it. Somebody should have just said something along the way, but he just, with one person cast him away, another person cast him away, another person cast him away, a whole class just dismissed him as useless and whatever, whatever. And for, for you know, we create the monsters that eventually kill us. Well, and I think there's, you know, we could get into that story <laughs> too. Yeah. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay away from that. I'd like, I would like you to do some, plugging of some things that you've been doing or doing in process uh, absolutely wrap up absolutely i'm uh, adrian williams i'm on facebook it's adrian williams you can basically find me mostly at the wellness revolution now that's my wellness blog on facebook and instagram and um if you could just do that and like me and follow me we can uh, travel this journey together and become um, better happier people and that's and, kind, that's, that's and, and kinder people that's that's the whole thing you know Yes, I think uh, I think there's again. I'm a big believer on that. I think being kind is not that hard. Um, it's not hard to smile, uh, to look at someone in the eye, say, "Well, you know, hello or thank you." I think those are really simple things to do, uh, and uh, we just don't do that enough. Uh, I want to thank you, and again, I apologize for that that brief intermission, uh, but thank you so much. This is a great conversation. I'm going to wrap up and and. Um, We'll call it a day. But uh, lastly, as long as I can remember, I asked why and how come challenging conventional thinking. And this is one of these subjects that we've talked about today that I think requires us to challenge conventional thinking. Um, I think this has always equipped me with a unique vantage point and perspective. And I can help unlock organizations' potential to implement the right solution. And I always ask people, what are your pain points? And are you willing to do something different? Because that's what we're asking people today, to do something different. And are you committed to change? And I think that's really important. So providing data-driven analytics to determine the root cause of any issue, I can assist in answering these questions. So check out the website at www.dynamicrg.com. And always remember and never forget, this is always really important to me, one of the greatest uh, lines from a song, a verse from a song, uh, from Grand Designs, it's so much style without substance, so much stuff without style. It's hard to recognize the real thing. It comes along once in a while. Thank you so much, Adrian. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Take care of yourself. All right. Be well. Bye-bye.